click it right now. There we go. So now we can test. There Let's we go. See. Test, 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 test. Oh, don't do S. Don't do S. That's so bad. Yeah. 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 Mm. The smacking S sounds are just... Eh. No. Okay, so... Super annoying. The I think this is a good adjustment. Are we starting? Uh, well, we can, because I can just... I can cut this off anywhere I want. <laughs> so you wanted to bring up world... We want to talk about world building. I think we're going to be doing this for a few shows the uh, next little while, which is good. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what we want to what we want to have. It seems to be that it's what uh, people want to hear as well. True. I mean, after the last podcast, you had kind of had like a spike in book sales, right? There was that. So those of you who are here, yeah, we should do an intro. Yeah, probably. But not 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 just the music, but but I want you to introduce us. Me? Yeah, you. You are the co-host. Why can't you do it once in a while? Okay. So I'm waiting. You start. <laughs> What's up, people? Oh, no. You just made it spike. Oh, sorry. See, you got You got to pay attention to your surroundings. Just a second. Mm. He's learning. A little bit better. He's learning. I'm trying to teach him how to work around audio equipment. It's all right. He's gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, I need practice. So that's what we're doing. Okay. Weekly, I'll get, I'll be a pro in no time at all. That's right. Right. So, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to say. You say intro, and I'm just thinking like intro. It's like, hello everybody. This is Jamie Buckley from LifeofFiction.com. I'm here today with my son, Simon. Yep, I'm here with Simon, and we want to talk about world building again today. Actually, we want to talk about world building for quite some time. See, I just did an intro. You didn't do the intro. So now you do the intro. Just do it. Just try it. Hello, everybody. This is Simon Buckley from lifeoffiction.com. And right here, I have my co-host, Jamie Buckley. <laughs> no, I'm the host. You're the co-host. Oh, don't know. they don't know that. Just kidding. You could let me pretend for just a sec, Dad. No. No. No, if I'm no, if I'm doing this and I'm paying for this and I'm arranging this and I'm editing this. No, you are the co-host, but I want you to have more freedom. <laughs> uh... Alrighty then, I'm the co-host, and here's the actual host who's not hosting this time. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's been an uh, awesome, isn't it? Hasn't it been a fun week? Though? It, it definitely has. Last night, I could not believe that everyone was here. So they were here past midnight, and uh, it's kind of sad because it's kind of dwindled off with your aunts and uncles. Yeah, you're right. If any of you are listening out there. Bunch of poo heads. You should have shown up. We had fun. I'm actually going to put a picture. I'm at, because I took, nobody knows I was standing in the hallway. I was trying to take pictures of everybody to get the different. I had to take three. Oh, did you? <laughs> I had to take three photographs with my iPhone to fit everybody in. So, I, well, the, the, the good thing though is that as we're losing our cousins and our relatives from uh, um, your brothers and sisters and mom's brothers and sisters, um, the amount of people that are showing up is still growing, but that's because of uh, all of my older siblings are now married. I'm the oldest unmarried sibling. That's home. Yeah, that's true. It's absolutely 15 true. 15 years old. <laughs> Look at that. See? Those pictures. Everybody <laughs> trying to get everybody crowded in. Look. I got Chris standing in the doorway. Yeah, see I mean? That's, and that's a lot of that's people. A, see, that would probably be the good one to post, huh? With yeah, all the probably. little kids. Probably. The third one. Oh, see, and then there's the other side with... Evan's legs and the tree over in the corner. I'll post that one. 
so everyone can see the little kids. It's awesome. It's so much fun. The it party's is. over here and having everyone together. So any of my grandchildren that hear Grandpa and what do they call you? Uncle Sly. Uncle Sly. The name doesn't actually mean anything. It just someone mentioned it once and it stuck. I don't I'm not actually sly. I don't fit that adjective. That's true. That's true. But it's a funny, funny nickname. You heard what, what mom you heard what mom said the other day. She the, the actual original Uncle Sly was your Uncle Rodney, whom you don't know. He just chose to walk away from the family. Hmm. So yeah. Interesting. Anyway, yeah, it's sad. Because Rodney's awesome. And we so, miss him. Even though we're losing contact with some of these relatives, you have a continually growing number of grandkids, and that's nice. Yes. Yes. I think by, I think mom said by March next year, we'll be up to 21. I love when there's enough of my nieces and nephews that I can start forgetting names. It's a good thing and a bad thing (laughs) at the same time. Okay. (laughs) Don't like hearing that. You know, Sam and Charlie are probably going to listen to this. Yeah, probably. But I never forget their names. I've known them since they were born, and they were the first ones, so I remember them always. It's all these newer ones that are popping out and just being like, hey, I'm alive now. And I'm like, I don't know where you came from, child. (laughs) But hello, I'm your best friend. That's how it works with all the kids that I hang out with. (laughs) There's, It's awesome having such a big family. It It really is. I love it. I I say this over and over. Just published a new parenting book, my very first one, and it's already doing well. And I've always said being a dad is the best job in the whole world. So with Simon, it's it's kind of a – Simon's kind of a cheat sheet kid (laughs) because it's just – his siblings will say that too. It's just – he's kind of like on autopilot, you know. If you met Simon, ah – but this is actually true about all of his siblings. If you met my kids, people ask, why did you have 13 children? After I tell them I've tried to start my own country, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I tell them if you met my kids and got to know my kids, you'd want more too. It's really that simple. So you, you'd probably want 100 if you met Simon. So that's my yeah, Good luck getting 100 of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. So we did what was it episode six? I think it was that we did. I don't know. I'm not keeping world building, and we want to talk about world building and uh, about the wanted hero world because Simon's been working. I'm excited. Just so you all know, who are listening, Simon's been working on something pretty amazing when it comes to uh, wantedhero.com, and. it's called the Dragon's Chasm. Ooh. Oh yeah, oh. and awesome. yeah, I'm gonna. I want to buy all new software and computers and the whole setup, just so that when we start doing the audiobooks and probably other podcasts as well, I would like to really put some um, fantastic uh, sound effects and things in place. I think it would be fun. <laughs> To go down with Hoban and um, and Finley and go into the Dragon's Chasm and let people experience. We that. just need to get like really rich and then have someone make an animated something about it because I think it would be really really cool. That's like on my dream bucket list. I'd like to do a at least a hundred and twenty 
episode series of Wanted Hero going through the that books. That would be so cool. Because I love the I love the Avatar cartoons. So yeah. Except for I like Korra. Ugh. I know. Why do you guys do that? Because you haven't ever you haven't finished Avatar: The Last Airbender, and what it's happened true. is all the stuff that made Avatar: The Last Airbender, Airbender really cool to me, and what I loved about it, they just took out with um, the Legend of Korra. The only aspects of Avatar: The Last Airbender that they kept with Avatar: Korra uh-huh. was the bending. Everything else was changed, and and it's like, I I. I love the character development with Avatar: The Last Airbender, and I, wa- I loved watching these um, these little kids and teenagers um, realizing um, that they have to mature and accept responsibility, and uh, and fight um, so hard for what they believe in, and sacrifice so much. Whereas in um, Avatar: Korra, she's literally just she's a temperamental, emotional. I think she's annoying. I, she really bugs me. Anyway. Huh. I I I think that Avatar the Last Airbender is fifty times better than that. But you haven't even finished the whole series yet, because what did you say? The artwork bugged you. Um. Well, there's some stuff with manga period that bugs me. That's really in both. But I I really, I mean, yeah, artwork. I, things have to look pretty. I have to enjoy things visually. Um. The first thing is I'll watch just about anything if the storyline's great. If you can entertain me with words and get me to think about stuff, then you'll have me. I mean, I, I like the old, the really, really old Doctor Who's, and they had like, you know, cardboard walls and stuff like that, and yet they were great shows. <laughs> so, and I've also seen, you know, big, um, you know, special effects heavy special effects movies that just have stupid storylines. I'm like, I'm done. I'm just, I'm done. Well, so, and Avatar The Last Airbender does have a very good story. And it's got... It's true. It's true. The thing that I don't like with manga is like the, all the screaming. You mean anime? Anime, okay. Yeah. Manga's the right. comic books. Or the true. Anime is, is the right. animation. You are right. Um, but it's the whole, you know, the, the, the eyes bugging out and all the screaming. Why, why is everyone screaming all the time stop <laughs> screaming i you know it's funny when i'm watching that and i'm so disturbed and i have your your baby brother coming to me and saying they should be spanked dad i was like i agree stop <laughs> screaming at each other it's it's not doing any good so i that's the main thing i do like the story though i really like um i really started enjoying um what is the awesome earthbender that girl the blind girl Toph Toph she rocks that I rocks. like her I, okay that pun was not intended but I I think <laughs> she's amazing because um, the show really got my attention when when um, oh, what, what one was it, it was, I think he was an earthbending king he was in like this metal case or something like that and going down these shoots with um, oh yeah yeah uh, King Boomy. King Boomy, yeah. When I'm watching that and he's doing that within the that coffin thing that he was in, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. So, but no, I do like The Last Airbender. I, I like the original series. I just like the artwork, and I do enjoy the story as well. I like the Korra uh, set. That's just, it's just a preference. Hmm. So, 
Okay. Just like I, I didn't understand why all of you were so up in arms about and saying that The Last Airbender, the actual movie, was stupid. Again, because once you find out, once you actually watch the cartoon, you realize the real one is very stupid. It's just like, no. <laughs> if I think if you at all actually are a fan or love the the Avatar: The Last Airbender series, then you're not gonna like the movie because it's it takes out well, it takes out the comedy aspect at least oh, most of it. One. Number two, the characters are completely different. None, they don't have any of the personality traits that they don't share between the two. Hmm. Um, also, the fighting scenes are kind of badly made, I'd say. Because the bending is just like, you got to do like 15 dance moves just to move a rock. And in the <laughs> cartoon, that's not how it was. Like they just, it was kind of dramatic in that way. Okay. Um, yeah, well, again, I those are those like special effect things, you know? <laughs> That's what I was referring to, those special effect things. Okay, so we've been talking about <laughs> the kind last of a airbender. <laughs> but okay, so but that's world building. That really is world building. The the you know, their version of like a magic. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. they've gotten really in depth history and everything. It was it's really cool. Hmm. And a whole world and so if we start here with with um wanted hero i really would like to start conversing about the project that you've been working on you've been working on this for over a year now have you realized that uh i think it's been over a year since i've started but there have been gaps of time where i have not like worked on it at all mostly because of school and stuff i get that it's no criticism I'm just saying is that we... But yes, a year ago we started on this journey and we are farther down the path than when we started. Much a great further. deal. And it's super fun. So what we're going to... a lot of progress. So what I want to talk about today, because we're going to get into all sorts of world building um, in this podcast, but what would you like to talk about concerning the dragon's chasm? How do you think we should approach this and share this with everybody? Well, if we were, let's see, so the last last podcast I did with you, we were talking about world building and kind of the point behind it. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the world and the mapping and yeah. how things are formed, things like that. So, honestly, I don't know. If you give me a subject, I can ramble on about it. So, Well, well okay, so, so let's start with this then. The Dragon's Chasm is a major part of the geography. Is that a correct statement? Yes. Think. Um, on the continent of Humar. And Humar is where the humans live. That's their main area, and it's it's a main continent. Now, this is, I don't even know if I should say this because you're going to be changing this with the map, aren't you? Changing what? Well, how everything, because it might not have all that, you know, it might not have western and upper and lower uh, Humar. Uh, or do we? You're right. Well, it, it will, but what it is is I've kind of shifted them around. Um, so. So we might have to rename them, but uh, it's safe to say that it will be on Humar. Okay. Well, we'll still have the kingdoms because we still have the seven kings. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and a queen. Um, but this continent, the main area, and it's in the upper third 
uh, before you reach the top of Humar, there is a chasm. Imagine, imagine something uh, wider than the Grand Canyon and much deeper. And it, the thing is, is that it has some history. It has quite a few mysteries and reveals some things for the entire... And we can't do spoilers, but we can educate here. Um, it is a very special place because there's probably what percentage do we did we decide after you did the charts of the dragons and you did the what is that called? It's not a hierarchy. What is that called? You did that. I asked Simon oh, at the one food point. Chain? <laughs> uh, well, no, the like with the poster. What I asked Simon to do a year ago, I came to him and I said because I, I noticed his drawings, I noticed all the writing he was doing for himself with his own ideas and his own books. And I draw, I have dragons and fairies and everything you can imagine because I'm a professional illustrator. I have these things. I have these world-building books and these materials. And I asked Simon, I said, would you be willing to help me while I'm working on this next book? Would you be willing to be my beast master? Isn't that what I asked? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I and he said, "Well, yeah. Well, what do you want me to design?" I said, "Would you be interested in uh, designing some dragons? Because we have the Verdra, which are the dragon lords and ladies, and and there's a story behind that. There's lore behind that. Um, Actually, mentions it in Book One of Prelude to the Hero. Correct, correct. When when Wendell is walking with Delnar down there in the key, um, and so there's a story there with the Verdra." which are the most intelligent of the dragons. And they are the rulers of not only the dragons, but the animal kingdom. And at one point, they were given a gift from the gods to be able to take on mortal form because they were so fascinated by the humans and these other races that were walking and talking and dancing and loving and having children and all the, the societies, and they were just fascinated, and they had the intelligence to comprehend these things, and they longed to be able to experience some of these things with the mortals, and so the gods gave them the ability to transform and walk in a humanoid form among the people and enjoy those experiences. So I'm going to cut that off there. Not going to go into that anymore. We will do that in another podcast. However, there is a, an area where I think we said, what, a good 80% or more of the different dragons, classifications of dragons would exist, mm -hmm. right? So we needed to have an area, a large area, where small, medium, and even large dragons could breed and exist in relative safety from the rest of the world, not necessarily from each other. <laughs> the yeah, the birthplace of the dragons, exactly. the, the safe haven, the 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 first home, right? Yeah. Um, and that's uh, that was kind of the point of the dragon's chasm. Not just that; it's got a lot of different, like even economical effect. Like in in reality, when you want to when you want to make something realistic, and you're going to create an environment as complex and as powerful and as large as the dragon's chasm, it's going to have effect in um, all. It's going to have effect all over the place. You can't confine it to just um, to just oh, what's the dragon's homeland? It's going to be um, well. There are going to be people tapping into its resources. There's going to be um, uh, geological effects. It's it you know the whole world is affected by 
the other things in the world, right? Right. Um, and because it's such a big thing, it has a very large effect on the rest of the world. So it's, it is very important. Um, but uh, yeah, it is the home of the, the dragons. So we wanted to develop a, an area that we could expand and have... Um, fix my mic here so that we could expand um, the different creatures types of creatures we wanted a place that we could truly we really wanted to make that wild the point was to inspire like as much wonder as we possibly could this place had to be like crazy and, and it wasn't just wonder for the readers. It was wonder. We wanted to create a place of wonder for the characters in the books. We wanted we wanted something that would really um, blow the minds of everyone, right? Something that could be that questions could be asked about both by the readers and by the characters in the story. That right. it was a that it was a mystery and a source of wonder for everyone. So here's the funny thing. I asked I asked Simon if he would be interested in developing some different types of dragons. And he said, yeah, I would love to do that. I was like, awesome. So I figured I would just like give that to him, and he'd get back to me in a few weeks or something. <laughs> it was so funny. I did that around breakfast time, and by the time um, dinner came around, he's like, Dad, do you mean something like this? And he brings this big poster board, and he had done this chart of not only had he taken certain dragons and and using the verdra he branched off you had all sorts of classifications and subclassifications of dragons and he had figured out scientifically how they could breathe fire or breathe acid um he had uh an in a in i hope i said this right what a, an ecological uh, system in the dragon's chasm, how they could feed. Um, he did all the food chains. He oh gosh, it was so complex. <laughs> so, and and the funny thing about the funny thing about that is it's uh, in you know because you know how I used to read encyclopedias and yeah. my favorite aspects of science was zoology and and biology. I just I loved, I thought it was so intriguing. The, the living world, right? And I thought, us and these animals were incredible to me. And so I'd read all these encyclopedias, and and and, and I'm pretty sure there's not a psych- encyclopedia in this household that I haven't read like three, four times. <laughs> anyway, and so having a lot of that information just on hand in my brain, I could write stuff down and connect dots because I have a kind of a, a basis and a foundation outline for what an, a successful... Um, successful environment looks like um and so i can mess around with it however i want and i can add fantastic elements it doesn't have to be like modeled after any real environment it just has to follow some basic principles of well science and then it looks real well and that's the thing that i absolutely loved in in all of our conversations and why i realized oh we definitely need to start working with each other more because here, you know, I try to make everything as realistic as possible. But I work mm-hmm. with, you know, characters, food, life, the magic, the politics and everything else. Whereas you were making things ecologically sound, scientifically sound, saying, no, this would, even though it's not, quote, real, this would work. 
<laughs> and that got me excited. I was like, wow, I can really just lay this at your feet and say, all right, this is what we need. This is what we need. And I laughed once and I said, you know, <laughs> you sound like a gnome. And that's when we both went, uh, uh, we need to give Simon a character and just let it run. And so we developed uh, Finley Greenhopper. And what's great is that Finley is the protege of Hoban, had this character, this idea for this young character to be a zoologist and to be connected to Hoban. And Hoban was just very partial to this young gnome who spoke the truth in a society and in a organization, the FAF, the Fish's Archive Foundation, where most people did not tell the truth. They were just trying to arrange the facts and figures to forward their own agendas and their own careers. And Hoban's not that way, which is why he gets in trouble, because he tries to reveal to you, the reader, the actual truth about the world, which is what got him exiled in the first place. But he has all sorts of friends and connections on the inside still in Clockwork City. So we just said, well, why don't we take this up a notch and let's let's get Hoban to smuggle Finley the heck out of Clockwork City, get Finley fully funded and see what would a gnome who is more excited about animals and plants and places than Hoban is about history, which is pretty flippin' hard to do. Fully fund him, what would he do? With all those chains taken off, all the barriers oh. moved out of the way, if he that, could just fly, what would happen? And me and Simon spent like, how we spent well over a week, didn't we? Whenever you had a moment, we'd like, go grab a couple of sodas and sit down on the front porch and we just oh, yeah. talk and laugh and brainstorm. And we kept realizing, oh, crap, this is so huge. And then I said, you know, this is going to fill in a lot of the gaps that I've got that I've been wanting to figure out concerning the dragons. And, I, and he said, well, how far can I go? What are you going to allow me to do? Because this is my fictional world. This is what I, I've been telling stories long before Simon was born about this world. He says, how much are you going to let me do? What do I say? As much as I can. Do whatever you want. Whatever you want. And I, and I said, well, Finley doesn't have chains on him. Why should you? So we'll make things work. Because Simon knows the storyline. He's read all the books. He knows the characters. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to work with you, though, and not give you any spoilers. This is very, very difficult to not. I know I've had to catch you because I can like smell when the spoilers come in. I was like, you're <laughs> near, you're like getting to this topic, and I was like, I can tell you're gonna, like, you're gonna like, let me no, know. No, so no, 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 Dad, stop! We need to change subject. You're gonna, you're gonna spoil the story for me. It's like, how do I have this conversation <laughs> to write this next book? I need this information. We could, no, no, we've got to figure out how to arrange that, Dad. I don't want to know. I want to be able to read the book like everybody else. Oh, so hard. Uh, but we're doing it. We are doing it. We are. Uh, so my question to you is, you know, we, what would you like to reveal? Because when you came back with that map and you showed there are so many depths oh the 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 vertical map yeah which we're going to make and put we've i 
You know, I really think that needs to be drawn and created as a map. We need to put that on World Anvil. We need to put, um, I want to take your your sketches, and then I want to actually draw that out in more detail and then make that as a 2D map, going like you said, a vertical map. Mm-hmm. Put that on World Anvil, and then I want to have markers so that people can... Um, look into and open up branches of information about, you know, what each... Because didn't you do every level was its own e- ecosystem? Ecosystem, Yeah, which is amazing. How many were I there? Say, I, uh, the, uh, I think you, like... Did you bring it in with you? Yeah, it's, I've got all my notes right here. Oh, you should pull some out. Take a moment. This is phenomenal. This is... This say, is it, for them the, to understand, I think that we probably just have to explain kind of the basic... We will. Uh, this is the so these are the moments where I sit there and I go, "This is my son. I'm so proud." Anyway, <laughs> all the crunching, all the paper. Oh no, it's crushed. <laughs> we need to get you another. That's what happens when your ne- my nephews get a hold of my backpack. Oh my gosh! That's wow. Oh, I thought that was your advanced world building journal crunched in there. Oh, it is in there. It's just I didn't pull it out. You got a Tillman Highlands map in there. I've got a lot of maps. You've like given me a bunch of maps over the over the past little while. Oh, here it is. I feel like we need an entire staff just to catch up to create all the things on my list. If anyone has seen my my um, my business book, my plans of all the books and maps and things, it's hundreds of pages of a single list of all the things that will be created that could be printed out or enjoyed. So, so you asked how many layers? Oh my heck! Cool. Hold on. Can I hold this up here? Can we look at that? I yeah. want to see this. Yeah, you can. I want to. Would you mind? Can I take a photograph of this and we will actually put it in the podcast notes so that anyone who wants to see a photograph of what of what we're talking about? Yeah, I'd like to. Right? Ma- I'd like to draw up a version that can like make a, a little bit more sense because what I drew was uh, kind of just to help me visualize, and so it's kind of cryptic in its form. But uh, if we wanted to make one and put it up on World Anvil, I definitely make it much better and have. Much oh yeah, we're more no, clear lines drawn and we're gonna do a very detailed. I'm gonna do a very detailed map. Awesome. Then I'll then I'll, then I'll okay. have to do that. I am going to. Uh, I will give all of you my word. This picture. This is a just an eight and a half by eleven sheet of white paper. Um, and Simon has. I what I love is that it, it all looks like all these creatures alive there. Well, yeah, a lot of stuff is alive there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, did you want me to what like explain I, kind of? The yeah, basics? I want you to go over and I and and so while it, um, if you're listening to this uh, uh, listening to this podcast, I will put that photograph up so you can get a good uh, feel of what he's talking about. But he's got over on the right hand side of this picture that he has drawn. He has all. What are all the numbers? Is that how far down it goes, or what? Uh, they they in order to kind of. Um, 
in order to have the different tracking systems and stuff they have at Pinwheel, the study station, they've had to create levels. So they've numbered the levels and depths so that you can say, you know, if you lose someone on a mission, you can say they're at, you know, depth 33 in the mid-climb level. You know, it's 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 wow. for it's so they can locate stuff. So I, I, that's part of what I've been working on um, that I'm not done with is uh, creating a... Uh, a um, a coordinates system that not only goes, uh, um, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to say it from, you know, how, when you're looking at a map from like bird's eye view and you've got the grid system and you uh-huh. can point straight down, but I also want to be able to do depth. Like, so to- you, like a topical guide. Uh, no, I mean like when you look at a map and it's grid, it's kind of like battleship when you okay. say, you know, a, a, a two. Okay. So the, co- so the, I'm saying that, the and longitude and latitude. Yeah. Right? And that's, and that's just from a bird's eye view. That's a, okay. a one dimensional view. I want it to be able to do depth as well. So you can pinpoint exactly where something is. Okay. So like when they do mountain ranges. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ooh. so they can, so that's what I was kind of designing. Um, anyway, so the number system is, is meant for but I like in your picture going vertical here how you how they show you show the plants and how far some plants go down in depth and mm-hmm. they still exist and mingle in those different ecosystems. That's fascinating. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of how it works. So ju- I can say that each um, level is its own ecosystem, and I'm not saying that there's a completely line drawn between them. There still is a transition. It's just that um, well, they are different ecosystems, and they slowly grow into. A different one as you go farther and farther down. So you asked how many levels there were. There are seven, technically eight, if you count. Um, and we're talking about ecosystems, right? Uh, seven. Yeah, the, the levels that, as far that you go down, the seven different. Okay, so that's the you've got said, these named t- in these brackets, and then you've got the different, the different levels, the different numbers, saying that you know we lost them on. Oh, that's what you meant. Yeah, so it's you, it's just it's numbering the depth. Okay. Um, anyway, and I don't know if that's like the official number system. I kind of just put it on there just so I could only Finley will know. Use it. <laughs> well, that's, that's if, if I was actually studying it and if, if it was real and I was down there and I was Finley, I would come up with, even if it was just a temporary number system, I'd have to come out, come up with something just to use until yeah, we n- could. No doubt. Cause that's a lot. Yeah. Anyway. So you want me to uh, explain like the basics of what it was? Please do. So, um, let's see, you already explained it's a, it, it is a, it's a cavern, a chasm. It's a great big trench or canyon, right? Um, but it's, it's, it's good two, three times the size of the Grand Canyon, I'd say. I don't actually know the actual numbers, but, um, what makes it such a unique environment and what makes it so fantastical <laughs> is that, uh, at the at the bottom of this massive cavern, there is a, a very very large salt content in the uh, in the soil and the minerals. A very very large co- salt content, as well as um, it's on a fault line. So what it is is there's a kind of a crack in the crust of the earth where the lava and the heat from the mantle is coming up to the surface. Okay. Um, so there are geysers, volcanoes, you know, hotbeds, stuff like that. Um, and so when the dragon chasm was ripped open um, on the, let's see, the West Sea, um, okay. a massive waterfall was created. It allowed lots of the water to come and pour into the bottom of the chasm. And now, is that on the, you said on the West Sea? 
Yeah, let me see. I've got so. another map right here. Yeah, the west side. So the Great Falls, what it is, is it's a massive waterfall. And it came in and it hit the hotbeds. And what that did is because the hotbeds, well, they aren't going to cool down because right under them it's ten, you know, billions of tons, an entire planet of just lava, the whole mantle, right? Okay. So it's not going to cool down and it's not going to stop being hot. So when the water hit it, the water um, evaporated, and that's thousands and thousands and, well, becoming billions and billions of gallons of water that's evaporated. And okay. that with that much water vapor, it's got to go somewhere. It's got to do something, right? Right. Um, so the immense heat allowed for a lot of water to stay in the air, um, okay. and it became very condensed. And also, because it's below sea level, there's a lot of atmospheric pressure, which allowed for lots of the steam to stay steam, even though there was so much of it. Okay. Um, so that being the case, what it is is the, the steam would float up to um, about I, um, a little bit above water level as it just comes up this canyon because it's super deep. Um, I don't have, again, I don't have the actual number how many feet, but it's deep enough that um, by the time it got to the surface, it was um, rising above water level. Okay. And, uh, and there wasn't an... And uh, what happened is it condensed into a cloud that, that in and of itself formed a little atmosphere. Were you talking about this right here? Yeah, the, uh, the Clodorius. Okay. Yep. So this great big cloud, and it created an atmosphere just below the rim of the canyon that just covered the whole thing. So now if you go and look at it, what you're going to see is you're going to see a several mile wide, hundreds of mile long river of steam uh -huh. and cloud. Um, and, and what that does is it's, it allows for everything under this cloud to form into kind of its own ecosystem because it's cut off from the rest of the world. Sunlight doesn't get down there and anything that does get down there, well, it, it can't really survive the way it does. Cause what it is, is, is above the cloud, you've got a normal air temperature. It's kind of just the rest of the environment out on the surface. But as soon as you go through that cloud and into it, you're going through an atmosphere into another biosphere and what it is is the air is so thick with water evaporated water and 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 with a saline content at that it's it's toxic and you can drown just from the condescension condescension in your lungs wow um and so that and so hence why we were why you were designing those suits yeah so in order to actually be down there you have to have a breathing apparatus um because there's it, there's just so much moisture in the air the condens the condensation will will drown you and i'm excited to say that um those of you who have been following along with chronicles of a hero um the exciting thing is that the reason one of the reasons why i wanted to bring this up and have simon talk a lot about this we're going to go through even more of the neat things that are in the dragon's chasm is because we're just a couple books away where there's going to be a major competition a major race where they're going to have to go in and down to the bottom of the dragon's chasm. <laughs> That's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. <laughs> so we've been designing these things specifically for those books, and yet the more and more that, that Simon was designing, the more we had these talks, because he'll design all these brilliant things, and then we sit down, we spend a couple hours and just laugh to spend dad son time <laughs> and realize oh my gosh this opens up so many doors to so many other adventures and then it's like well what one do we go with uh all of them <laughs> that's what we've done we'll just figure out other ways to actually do more 
So, okay. Yeah, so, so it, it's... Um, so go with the... You've got the atmosphere. You go down. So go... Start from... Okay, so we've got the top atmosphere. I want you to keep... Yeah, so so what it was is um, because because of that atmosphere and because of the change in environment, and once you go through that atmosphere, um, the Clidorius, uh, it's a completely different environment. Um, there, you know, nature, life always finds a way. It 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 adapts and it finds finds a way to survive. Um, and so what happened is um, the life forms that were down there that were able to survive and the life forms that found their way down there and learned to survive over the course of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, mm -hmm. um, they, it developed into a very complex, very, uh, super adaptive and very, um, powerful, <laughs> um, group of organisms and environment. So, if I were to go through the levels, what it is is we have the, the surface, right? Right. Um, the pre collidorius or the cliffs. And I was actually working on the leveling system for that. Cool. Um, okay. And I need to go through all the other six ones. But anyway, and that's the first layer. So one of the other key components of the Dragon's Chasm that makes it so um, intriguing and makes it so different is it's got a, 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 unique, sort, uh, a unique mineral called uh, cryostone. What it is is it's a very reactive metal um, that gives off um, electromagnetic and radioactive pulses, um, but it does it enough that it's able to. Well, it's it's able to do a lot of things, and so one of the things it does is um, when one lump of this mineral, cryostone, and the other and another, um, because of their electromagnetic qualities, they can you know either be attracted to each other magnetically, you know or repel each other magnetically. Um, and because it's all throughout the soil, you have lump, massive clumps of land, these mini islands that are being repelled by the other, um, uh, by the other cryostone in the ground and strong enough magnetic levitation to lift these islands out of um, and this. off the ground. So you have floating islands using maglev techno <laughs> well we call it maglev technology there are trains in real life that that float using this um wow anyway but it that, that's kind of that's kind of what it is um but it, it occurs all it all occurs naturally hmm. um that this cryosone is so strong uh, has such strong electromagnetic qualities that it's able to create these massive um floating islands anyway so if you go to the cliffs what you're going to see is you're going to see um islands rising out of this massive river or ocean of uh of steam and cloud and these huge islands just rising out and floating above um so that right there in and of itself is a is an ecosystem well one because it's it has the normal air density and and environment of you know being above the atmosphere mm -hmm. but it's still got well it's still the dragon's chasm right now now i have a question about, about that and i'm not i'm not afraid for all of you to think that i'm ignorant because i'm not wholly ignorant i'm just uh i concentrate on other things but the 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 islands that um i'm assuming that what keeps them within a range without because it's not like helium where it just keeps floating away no, it can't. so it only goes so far that 
it gets beyond that pulse, that pushing force, correct? Mm-hmm. That's what keeps it at a certain level. Is that is that yeah, correct? Yeah, and so, so what happens is um, it, it'll repel it to a certain point. So most of these islands, they won't mm-hmm. stay. There are very, very few that will actually stay in one spot. Um, they mm-hmm. kind of cycle through, and they're always moving because what it is is it'll be an island will be pushed out of the chasm, uh, and it might come from the very depths of the chasm. It might come from the 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 bottom the floor and be pulled onto the ground and lifted and just make its way through all the layers till it comes above the cloud, and it'll float up above um, sea level, and then once it gets far enough up, uh, it drops again. Okay. Um, every once in a while, when a huge shift happens in some of these electromagnetic um, waves, mm-hmm. you'll have an island that all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> and these are c- catastrophes. Um, one of some of these islands will uh, just stop being repelled, or they'll be attracted instead. So you'll have an island that's floating one moment, and every once in a while you'll have one that just drops. Wow. And so what happens is, if if that happened, if that was a reoccurring situation, life would be have to would have to be so adaptive that something as massive as a several ton mound of earth coming and crashing in just randomly. Um, that everything can still thrive and survive in an environment where that happens regularly. You know, there has to be, uh, well, they've got to be specialized. Um, so so that, that's kind of how that works. It'll, they'll float to a certain height, and then mm-hmm. they'll start to fall. Some of them will stay at a, at a, a general height. Um, some of the, when you're up on the cliffs above the cloud, generally you're only going to see smaller smaller islands, mm-hmm. ones that, that don't have the weight to... Uh, to stay lower, I, they'll kind of just be they'll they'll be lifted up to a good height, and then mm-hmm. they'll they'll come down. But they're generally the smaller ones. I'm really interested in seeing how Finley and his crew, especially the dwarves, are the the Catullum, mm-hmm. are going to, because you know they're going to find a way to manipulate and use those, especially with cables and things like that from pinwheel. It'd be interesting to see how. You know, having maybe a substation or a supply station or something like that, you know, I can imagine them trying to escape the creatures uh, down there in the chasm and, you know, mm-hmm. get to platform three, you know, yeah. <laughs> something and, like that. And I'm actually, and that's another thing I was working on in, in designing is a map of the different outposts that they have set up Ooh, and different little stations that, I mean, because Pinwheel is the main station, but you yes. can't, you know, if it's several hundred miles long and, 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 several miles deep i mean you can't just have one place to gather everything you've got to well you've got to have little outposts right exactly um to go explore so i was designing and figure out where those were um but uh one of the one of the other cool aspects one of the the life forms that has formed in the dragon's chasm is a is a type of plant so it's it's not actually um part of any family of plants i'd say that are real because they use sunlight um, and photosynthesis to survive and to create their food. Um, this we're um, talking about regular plants. Yeah, regular plants. Right, yeah. normal ones, the boring ones. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the boring ones. <laughs> anyway, this thing. It, it, they, Venus flytrap mm, is not boring. Thank you very much. You're right, but we, I can make things cooler than a Venus flytrap. <laughs> oh, okay. Saying. All right. <laughs> Feed me, Maurice. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this massive um, root. Um, that doesn't use photosynthesis. What it does, it, it, it absorbs the nutrients and the, the mass amount of nutrients in the soil. So what it is, is because the dragon's chasm has that atmosphere, uh-huh. 
the cycle of nutrients um, through the in, through the ecosystem. Well, everything has to be recycled. Stuff doesn't leave the dragon's chasm and go to other places. What sta- it goes in the dragon's chasm stays in the dragon's chasm. So if something is raised and it lives, grows old and dies in the dragon's chasm, it's got to be recycled and to turn it into something else because okay. you know, everything has to be cycled through. Absolutely. Because um, very rarely are there things being thrown in or things coming out. So okay. it's got to be so- completely self-sustaining. Um uh, so d- due to that fact, there's a massive amount of nutrients in, in the soil of the dragon's chasm. And uh, that's actually something that Pinwheel is, that Finley's trying to do, is he's trying to take this, like, mega-fertilized soil from the dragon's like chasm. Like superfood type yeah, things for plants. Yeah, and be able to use it. The, pro- the reason why this, the, the land around the dragon's chasm, where <gasps> some of this nutrient comes out. Oh, my heck, you out. just solved a problem. A problem I've been trying to figure out something to write for three years. <gasps> And I'm so sorry because I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you just solved the problem. Sorry, I'm going to write down, this down on a piece of paper. No, keep talking. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I love those moments of clarity. I They're amazing. so good. Hold on. Where's a pen? Where's a pen? Uh, I got a pen. Here's a pen. Okay. Anyway, um, so he's trying to figure out how to make this, uh, use this fertilizer. The, pro- the reason why... Um, all these plants aren't just exploding into growth and just using up all the nutrients is because of the super high salt content. Generally, it's poisonous. It'll kill. It'll kill plants. So only the specialized plants from the dragon's chasm can actually tap into the resources without being destroyed by the salt content. Um, and this and this and this root is one of them. So what it is is it's it kind of weaves through all the all the the dirt, the ground, and uh, and absorbs this nutrients. And there's enough nutrients. It doesn't need leaves to gather sunlight. It can... Uh... That's the idea. Uh... <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's... I know. Three years I've been trying to figure out how to make that work, and it, nothing would work. You just solved that problem. Heck, heck yeah. <laughs> I'm so can't, happy. We, we can't get too excited about this. <sighs> We're going to be impolite to the viewers. <laughs> Anyway, got start, that reading, happened. start reading Chronicles of a Hero. You won't be disappointed. Anyway, oh anyway, that's so um, awesome. So this this root, um, because it can feed off these nutrients, and um, it grows to immense sizes. I mean, like huge. And what it does is it'll grow and it'll attach to some of these floating islands. Um. And hold them together, and hold them in, in like one place. vines and things like yeah. vines and roots. Well, vines things? that are like big enough. There, you can fin, you can drill a house into them. That they're reminds like, me of they're the, like redwood trees, but vertical and can stretch anywhere they want. That kind of reminds I mean, just that concept kind of reminds me of remember when you and me. Uh, in fact, it used to be your favorite cartoon, Dragon Hunters. Yeah, that's a, yeah, because all those floating islands and all the vines of the tree, all the roots of the trees, yeah, the, all together. like that, and they're just they're yeah. massive. Anyway, awesome. and, and because of that, lots of these floating islands, uh, some of the ones that do hold still, it's because they have hundred year old massive, massive roots just holding them in place, that's... and so and so you've got a bunch of these floating islands being held together by massive ancient, um, what resemble tree roots. Um, and that's a cool aspect of the environment itself. So the cliffs. Anyway. We need to start writing. I want some more information. Just pause here for a second. I want some more information on a lot of these plants because I think I need to start putting those into the flora 
uh, in the database in Wanted Hero because I would love, I like drawing roots mm-hmm. and trees, and I would love to draw those islands and things out for cover and put that up yeah, for well, a speed it would, drawing. Yeah, it would be really cool. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, so th- so these cliffs, um, they're... The, they are above the the Clodorius, the cloud, and so what it does is all these islands that come out, they become they well they bring nutrients with them, and they bring um, you know all the resources from the dragon's chasm with them, and because of that, these floating islands and this ocean of mist uh-huh. is an environment in and of itself that a lot of creatures live on, um, and this this environment is kind of governed by agility and speed all these creatures have very quick um reflexes and um mobility is their specialty right okay. it's not about the big and the strong and the, the the massive things it's it's about well who can run fastest longest right so it's okay. got um a lot is of it, is it's it a in... lot of creatures that are specialized in like aerial combat and jumping swinging so this flying. isn't necessarily endurance you're talking about this is agility this is who can move the quickest and yeah. be the most agile yeah and so the okay. two dominant species are one the wyvern drakes they're they're actually um and pinwheel they've domesticated them and they use them oh, to, I to travel you telling me about that yep. yeah um these massive teratorns that just um that live in the that live on these islands. Are the and other then, ones the dogs? And then the other ones are the, <laughs> oh, are the I dogs. Like those. Um, Very similar to. Didn't you say similar to hyenas? Yeah. Yeah. Getting more notes out of his full backpack that weighs like sixty-five pounds. Good grief! I sure hope not. See, I told Actually, you. Actually, I sure hope very... so because that means I'm freaking buff. <laughs> I carry this thing everywhere. Let's see. see uh, the those, Warg Fag Hyenas, aren't those, yeah. Aren't those little mini notebooks, aren't those fabulous? I yeah, love those. Yeah, they are. Um, Walmart needs, just needs to stop buying up all these companies. It irritates <laughs> me. Go and find a really good deal for these notebooks. I used to pay $24 for a moleskin, and I love moleskin. If, I, if money was not an issue, I would just buy 100 moleskin journals and use those. But I went and got... Um, Gosh, they were three to six dollars each from Walmart, and then I started buying them directly from this company, and then all of a sudden I got a notification: "Sorry, you can't sell anymore online. Uh, Walmart has bought us out. You have to buy them through Walmart." And Walmart wasn't selling them. Irritating. <laughs> so, and yet I went to Walmart with your mom last week, and uh, they were on the shelf again. I, it's like, come on, somebody make up their mind. I just need to go in there and just like buy one to two hundred of them and just come, just put them on the shelf. So that'd be a good idea. Yeah. Tell me when you get that money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then and so there's the the Wyvern Drakes. Um and then their their uh <laughs> their competition, the Wargfag hyenas, and these are also domesticated as a uh, as tracking. What dogs. did you call them? Wargfag hyenas. Wargfag. I think we're Blame gonna have dwarves. a problem with that name. <laughs> Wargfag, okay. Warg Fang, maybe? I don't no, know. No, I'm going to be straight up honest. I asked Roman what to name them until I could talk to you about a name, <laughs> and he's and he came up with it. So Oh, so, the, so this comes from a seven-year-old. Awesome. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'll, uh, it's recognizable enough. I'll put it down in my notebook until I can come up with something better, <laughs> and I'll just, I was like, I'll just roll with it. It's, I'm fine with that for now. 
So I'm I, game. I'm game. We'll we'll make. I can come up work. with the creatures, and I do need your help with the names because I don't. I'm. I, it's not That's something fine. I do very well. That's fine. We so. can. Well, we can talk to Finley or talk to Hoven. They'll let us know what they are. Cool. And. uh we have to figure out something, but that's just what I call him because he said that, and I was like, I don't know of anything else named that. So I mean, okay, that that, works. That'll that works. work. That'll work. Innocent if it comes from Roman. Okay. Yep. Anyway, and so these things, um, they have, they're actually part of their own classification. They've got a cat-like spine, so they're able to maneuver, jump, and land on their feet. And um, they also have. Um, specialized wrist bones and thumbs so they can climb. So wait, are they, they canine or are they feline? Neither. Oh. They're their own thing. Okay. They, have, they have attributes, I'd say, of both and then some of so their So things own. that function like a canine yes. spine. So the, I mean, uh, um, lots of, lots of their behavioral traits are canine and okay. most of their physical attributes are, are feline um, because cats are much better at that mobility and so the, um, what what I've kind of been thinking is that they're they were descended from much more canine creatures, but they okay. developed feline attributes to to survive the 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 cliffs. And you to just be able solved to, another problem. I'm yeah. thinking that we're probably going to take a combination of these creatures and do a, either an offshoot or something pre, um, you know, before them um, of the. Uh, felines that I was talking about with the underlings that are the guardians of the tower. So, yeah. So, because that would be good. Depends on how they, do they have tails? Uh, Yes. Okay. So, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Sorry, you guys are just, you're able to uh, be a part of these conversations of the development of Wanted Hero. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) <laughs> this is just fun this is the kind of thing that we like doing and we just wanted to include you in it so okay so here we go we're coming up on the hour here so yeah and we've only how, done the top one <laughs> yeah so so let's see we will um hmm, how far should we go before we cut off because we'll continue with this i we'll, think that the the underbelly would be a good uh, cliffhanger the underbelly all right go for it Anyway, so we just discussed the top. We can skip all the way to the bottom. You go through the cloud. Should we talk the about the middle canopy. next week, though? The middle next week? Yeah, yeah sure. Okay, so that. do the... And right. then the knock shells and the mid-climb, the debris shells, canyon floor, all of that. Anyway, and at the very, very bottom, there is the canyon floor. But what Finley has discovered is that there's something under the canyon floor, an extra, another level mm-hmm. um, that was that's in the negatives, or that at least... His leveling system, he considers them in the negatives because he created the leveling system and then realized that there was more. Okay. Um, so at the at the bottom and the canyon floor, the most desolate and the the <laughs> the bottom, the, uh, what people thought it was, there are there are cracks in the ground that lead to underground, um, further underground caverns, and and caves and tunnels. Um, that he still isn't quite sure how they were dug or how they got there or what they are. Um, but they have a incredible contrast to the rest of the environment. The Dragon's Chasm is very loud, very um, vicious, um, very constantly active, moving. Ac- yeah. active, constantly moving in yeah. place. Everything there adapts so quickly, and it's always... It's, it's always, you know, always it's in motion. Always yeah. in motion. Um, and so... 
<laughs> so you won't you won't you won't find any peace or quiet in the dragon's chasm. But um, he found an opening to this uh, this cavern, and he drops down inside with his crew, and it's dead silent. And I mean, no no noise whatsoever. Like you could hear a pin drop from a mile away in this place, and it's completely dark. Um, most things in the dragon's chasm have a have a bioluminescence because light is something. It, it's it it it's got light. You can see. The difference is that uh, well, it's all it's all created by biological means. Hmm. Um, anyway, and so he gets down there and. It's, it's completely dark, and because you're so far below um, sea level, you're you're in the like if you, if you went into the ocean this deep, you'd be in the depths of the ocean as well. This is midnight. Or this is like the twilight zone wow. of the ocean. Okay. Um, and so you can feel feel the pressure of the atmosphere. The air is thick. There's a weight. Mm. It's hard to move. It's hard to breathe, even through the apparatus. Um, and. Uh, you can actually take the apparatus off in there, because for real, yeah. Because what it is, anytime there's a cracker opening that goes in there, uh-huh. um, there's a there's a mist claim coral that grows there, um, that absorbs all the saline content and it drips the pure water into the. So and so down there, you can drink any water you find down there is completely pure and more pure than most domestic means can make it. It's pure water and you can go down there and you can drink any water that's there and it's it's pure water the air is i'm not sure i'd want to drink something in (laughs) complete dark and not know exactly what it is well (laughs) i said that the water was safe not what i mean and that's really it though anyway so it's dead silent um and very and well very eerie and the problem with everything that lives down there, and the few things that he knows of, um, is their the system that they live by is much more. It was much different, much different, um, <laughs> in comparison to the rest of the. I'm watching his face contort as he's trying to figure out the right words to share and not give away spoilers. It's <laughs> funny. It's really funny watching him try to. Uh, what's the word? Anyway, so I don't want to like, I don't want to tell the story, but I'll I'll tell you what what it is right now is Finley avoids at all costs, um, going down there, and he doesn't let any of the other explorers go down there because, um, you know, the, the entirety of the Dragon's Chasm is dangerous, and they all know that, and people die a lot in 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 the exploration, um, but down there, in the in the underbelly, it's. It's, it's a death sentence, and only he's got it, gotten out alive, and he won't let anybody go down there. I think one of the reasons for that too is that, um, is the problem with the things down there is they don't just feed off of the flesh. Um, there are creatures down there that, um, that by unnatural means feed off of sanity. And says that mm. a couple of his buddies that went down there with him, um, well, they went crazy. And that it feeds off of your, it messes with you and your mind rather than, hmm. rather than getting at you um, oh. physically. Anyway, I'm still kind of, it's still a work in progress, but I've, I wanted it to be a, you know, you're descending into this <laughs> ecosystem of madness, but you get to this level and you, and it, uh, this stark transition 
and it's quiet and any noise can make can get you killed um or, or you'll be pulled into the darkness you'll lose your way and you'll lose your mind oh that's unnerving so it's so that's it, beautiful <laughs> <laughs> anyway so it's i've i've got stuff to make it more messed up i don't want to explain any of it though cuz i feel like i'm scared of what can be spoilers and what won't because i don't i don't know what's being used in the story <laughs> so it, it'll okay. be interesting. I'm making the dragon's chasm, and then I'm gonna I can read the book as my dad uses it. I can guarantee <laughs> you that I will use what you will not suspect. That's that I can promise. Cool. All right, so that's our show today on lifeoffiction.com, and um, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you, Simon, for spending time with me. You're welcome. It was fun. It was fun. So uh, remember, all of you, uh, no, not all of you, remember you, the person who's listening to us, and I'm glad that you're here. Remember, you are more than you think you are. And we'll talk to you next time.